0: Thank you for checking out this sermon video here at Hope Church. We are so excited that you came across this message and are tuning in. If you're joining us for the first time, I wanna be the first to say, welcome to Hope Church. Do us a favor and text to new to hope to 94090. After you hit send, you'll get an immediate response from our team with a link to a short form for you to fill out so that we can get to know you better. The message you are about to watch is part of our current sermon series, Proverbs, Everlasting Wisdom for Everyday Life. Once again, thank you for joining us today. Enjoy the sermon. In AD 61, the Apostle Paul wrote a letter to a group of believers who lived in the city that many of you know called Ephesus. The following passage of scripture that I'm about to read is from the book or the letter that he wrote to them. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 17, which is not going to be where we stay the entire time. We're going to jump around a lot. But in Ephesians chapter 5, just in these three verses, here's what Paul wrote. He said, therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. I don't know if that sounds familiar. So then do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. There are some things that, as we read this passage, that would help us if we knew about this city called Ephesus. You see, this city was a port city there in the Mediterranean Sea, which meant it was large. About 600,000 people lived there at the time, and it was always full of people who would be guests or visitors in the city. It was also a hub for commercial trade that caused it to be quite affluent. People had lots of money. A city where everything, thirdly, was permissible. Not that that sounds familiar either. You might even say what happened in Ephesus stayed there, right? It was large, it has lots of visitors, it was very affluent, things were permissible. Is this ringing any bells? It was filled, fourthly, with pagan religions and temples, which included all kinds of immorality. Dr. Charles Stanley said, as you can imagine, this city of Ephesus was, it was difficult for believers in this city to maintain high standards. Their hostile environment made it, that they lived in, made it that much more important for them to begin asking this question, what is the wise thing to do? They lived kind of how we live today. They needed wisdom to live and guess what? So do we not just because of the city that we live in and not just because of the state that we live in and not just, like, we don't have the market cornered on evil. I know that's what the rest of the country thinks, maybe. But we don't. Our world is evil. Our world is immoral. People travel to and fro. Lots of people have money. There's 7.5 billion people in our world today. Living in Las Vegas, but living honestly in the rest of the world, it's imperative that we have what we've been talking about now. This is the 12th week, everlasting wisdom for everyday life. And so we've asked you to read with us through the Proverbs, and we have to ask the question, why Proverbs? Well, Proverbs provides wisdom for every area of life and every stage of life. No matter who you are, no matter what gender you may be, no matter how old you are, no matter what your job is, no matter where you live, no matter what your culture or your language is, the truth is is we all need wisdom. And one of the reasons we go through all the things that we go through is because we ain't got none. That's what we would say in Tennessee anyway. Like, we don't have it without him. And so for these past 11 weeks, this will be the 12th week, we've asked you to read along with us and try to find out what wisdom is. Like, and what is the wisdom that we need? You don't just have it. Wisdom, though, we defined as the ability to see life from God's perspective. And that's what we want, isn't it? So as we close, that's what we want, isn't it? Amen. As we close this series in Proverbs, I just want to share with you five closing truths. And so we won't be in just one passage tonight. In fact, we will be in lots of places. But we're going to look at five things as we finish up this series and look onward into the fall. Truth number one, wisdom is essential to enjoying all, light, all that life has to offer. You see, wisdom is essential if you want to enjoy what God has for you. Proverbs eight begins like this. Listen to this: Does not wisdom call out? It could be translated, "Does not wisdom cry out?" In other words, wisdom's yelling. Look at me. Check things out. In fact, in Proverbs chapter eight, the uh, a few verses at the end, uh, verses thirty-three through thirty-five. Here's what the Bible says: Heed instruction. Do we have that on the screen? Okay, here we go. Heed instruction. And look what he says, and be wise and do not neglect it. Blessed is the man who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting at my doorsteps. Check this out. For he who finds me, wisdom, not not a person, for the one who finds wisdom finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. Did you hear that? The one that finds me, the one that finds wisdom, finds life. Listen, everybody's looking for life. Everybody's looking for the best life. Everybody's looking for the purpose of life. And he said, find wisdom and you'll find it. Amen. You know, we don't talk enough about wisdom and we don't seek it. We think it's one of those things that if you live long enough, you'll just have it. Or if you read the the best book, you'll get it. It's calling out. If you find me, you'll find life. So how many of you want to enjoy life? Let's see. uh, If you're there in your living room, raise your hand as well. Everybody wants to enjoy life. I mean, that's what we try to do all the time. God created life and God knows best how to experience all that life has to offer. He is the author of that. But it's only when we begin to see life from his perspective that we really enjoy life. And listen, we've heard Pastor Vance say this so many times. When God says, don't do that, he's saying, don't hurt yourself. And when he says, do that, he's saying, help yourself. God knows what we should do, how we should do it, and how to get what we need to enjoy life. And it starts with wisdom. You see, God's design is for us to live life as he intended. But he's not defor- he, he is never going to force us into his design for our life. Sometimes I wish he would. Amen to that. We've got a choice. That's good too. We actually have a choice of obtaining wisdom or not having wisdom of enjoying life or not and people say well I don't enjoy life and I feel like I've got wisdom listen hang on it may be coming his word says find it and you'll have life you see every day you and I make decisions that affect our lives and how we'll live Being able to see from God's perspective, to know where these decisions will lead us, that's what we want. Galatians 6, 7, and 8 makes clear. Listen to what it says. It says, don't be deceived. God's not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. We usually use that in a negative context. But understand that what you sow that's great and wonderful and wise will also be reaped in that way. Don't be deceived. God's not mocked. Whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will reap from the Spirit eternal life. He uses this word mocked here. This word mocked means to turn one, to t- literally to turn one's nose upward at someone or something. It means to ridicule or to sneer at. It could even mean to treat as low or as nothing. You see, choosing my way in my own flesh is sowing to my flesh. In other words, it only beefs up my flesh. But choosing God's way is sowing to the Spirit. Choosing my way says to God, I know better than you, God. Your way is lower than mine. Your way isn't as good as my way, Lord. Now, none of us would say that out loud. I mean, I I, I hope we wouldn't say that out loud. But that's the way we live our lives at times. You see, this verse goes on to say that the product of choosing my way over God's way, look what it says there, is corruption. When we choose our way over His, it's corrupt. This word corrupt means to spoil or to ruin or to decay or to waste away. It's the picture of rotten meat, it's the picture of a decaying plant or a decaying fruit. I don't know if this has ever happened to you. I grew up in the South. My grandfather had his own watermelon patch, and boy, I sure do miss that when I go to Vons and Smith's now, because it's expensive. But I can remember he would come back with like a truckload of these watermelons and cantaloupes, and man, we would, like, we would dive in after dinner time every night on the front porch, and we'd bust open one of those watermelons, and we'd eat it right there, and it was so amazing. But my grandfather would always take it after we'd finished, because, you know, there were six grandkids and everybody else who showed up, we would... It, we would be like pigs at a trough, you know. We would just be like eating on it. We couldn't do it now because of COVID, or we might. Who knows? It were good. But I can remember he would take that watermelon, what was left over, and he would throw it in what we call the gully. It was just a place that was farther down behind the house where it could rot because he liked to have kind of like a little compost down there. And I remember I went down there one day, and I got close to something. I thought, man, something's going on over here. That good watermelon I'd had two days before and went, went to town with, man, that, that thing smelled so bad. Like I, like I wanted to do something I can't say out loud here, but you understand what I'm saying? Bad. Listen, when something rots, when a, when a living thing rots, there's not another smell like it. He said, that's what you're reaping. When you sow to your flesh, you're reaping rottenness, decay, the wasting away of life your life is wasting away without wisdom i think i might need some wisdom you need it to live i got a practical application for you i'm going to we're going to put up on the screen here for you too so here's a practical application to how much we need this i must pursue wisdom on a daily basis How about if I read a book? How about if I just do it this week or next week? How about next month I look at wisdom? Listen, we've been doing this for three months, 12 weeks in a row. We've been saying, read the proverb of the day. Read the proverb of the day. And you say, woo, we're finally finished with the proverb of the day. We can go into the next series, Pastor Tom. Don't stop reading the proverbs. Daily basis i got to pursue wisdom on a daily basis. Truth number two, wisdom doesn't come naturally. Proverbs 14, 12 and Proverbs 16, 25, listen to this. Both of these Proverbs say exactly the same thing. It's crazy. It's the same verse two times. There's a way which seems right to a man. I mean, you think God's trying to get our attention on something, huh? But its end is the way of death. There's a way that seems right to us, but that end is a way only to one place, and that is death itself. On my own, I will make unwise choices. How about you? Let's just all raise our hand and admit that, okay? Right there in your living room, raise your hand. Everybody, listen, on my own, I will only make unwise choices there are two realities that we got to come to grips with when it comes to proverbs number one my opinion's never enough and number two my perspective is always limited i really like what i think how about you like my opinion it's spot on It's never enough. And you got a perspective that's about this wide, and so do I. I can't see the whole breadth of life and of everybody's life and how everyone else's life is affected by my life. It's brief, it's small, it's limited. The prophet Isaiah speaks to the heart of this issue in Isaiah chapter 55, verses 8 and 9. Here's what he says For my thoughts, God says, are not your thoughts. Nor are my ways, excuse me, nor are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. I mean, it doesn't get clearer than that, does it? In other words, God and I don't think alike. I'm going to choose, probably, according to this verse, the opposite in my flesh of what He would choose. And so we got a practical application for you here as well. I must recognize my need for God. Not only do you got to seek wisdom on a daily basis, you have to recognize that you and I need God. We need Him. And here's what humility says. Humility says, God, I need you. Pride says, Lord, I can do it on my own. Sometimes we don't even agree with ourselves. Let's be honest. We think it's great until three minutes later when we have another thought. Wisdom, Simon Kistemacher says this, Wisdom belongs to God for it is His divine virtue. Anyone who admits the need for wisdom must go to God and ask. Why? Because wisdom does not come naturally. Doesn't come naturally. we got to recognize our need for God. Truth number three, Proverbs chapter 2, verses 6, will describe it, but truth number three is this. Wisdom begins in time spent with God. Proverbs 2, 6 says this, for the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He gives it and literally from his mouth is where knowledge and understanding comes from. Romans eleven thirty three 33 uh, uh, through, uh, I'm not used to turning this much. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 is quite a bit, but I want you to hear what it says here. We go from a, from a spiritual writing to a practical writing right in the middle of, of Romans. But here's what it says. Oh, the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom, there it is, and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out for who has known the mind of the lord or who has become his counselor or who has first given to him and it shall be repaid to him for him for, for of him and through him and to him are all are all things to whom be glory forever amen then he says this I beseech you, therefore, because this is true, because that wisdom and that knowledge is there, and nobody else is like him, because for, uh, 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 of him and through him and to him, because of that, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You know that therefore? You know what Pastor Van says, you gotta ask what it's there for, right? In other words, since God has given all wisdom it only makes perfect sense to, to surrender to him daily and to seek his face so that I'll be transformed and my life will prove what his will is. Listen, there is zero, no substitute in life, in your life, in the life of any believer, for time spent with God daily in his word and prayer. Now, I want you to hear me in this. I was just talking to somebody these last couple of days. We all want to spend time with God, right? And, and we'll say it out loud. We'll even like sign a covenant if somebody makes us. If somebody asks us, we might even lie. I know it's church, but I'm telling you, people lie. Even about good things. But let's be honest. Do you spend time with God every day? I didn't ask, is it easy? In fact, Clyde Cranford, the man who discipled our pastor, he held a Bible up at one point, and he asked the people that were in the room, he said, you know what the most difficult thing in the world to do is? You know what the hardest, the the most wrenching thing that you could ever do, do you know what it is? That opening the Bible's tough. Nobody, and listen, the reason is because is that's spiritual warfare. Your flesh doesn't like it, even though, we, even though we know we should like it, our flesh does not like it. There's too much in there that might tell us something opposite of who we are. There are too many truths that are there that will show us the liar that we are and the untruth that we believe. There is no substitute in the life of a believer for any person who knows the Lord for time spent with God. Listen, not a thousand books, not a hundred devotionals, not thousands of dollars in an offering plate, not helping every person that you see. Nothing equates To time spent with him. Wisdom begins in time spent with God. You say, I've been trying to get wisdom all my life and I just don't seem to have any. You spending time with God? No? Well, then that's why. You see, because this is where the wisdom is. And the reason this is where the wisdom is, is because these are his words. We need his words. Desperately, we need his words. So here's a practical application for wisdom begins in time spent with God. I must establish daily time with the Father. I mean, if you've been here for very long, you're getting sick of hearing this. But to be honest with you, I'm getting sick of saying it. I'm just, if I'm honest. But you know what? I have to choose this too. Tom, you know how much stuff I've got to do? Well, then give something up. The first thing is that don't, don't hit the snooze button. Like, plan 15 minutes earlier tomorrow morning. Just try it. You can do it. Spend time with God. You want wisdom? You've got to get up. You, wanna, you want wisdom? You've got to spend time with Him. Truth number four. Wisdom is a journey, not a destination. In Proverbs chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, here's what the writer said. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, To listen to this, to know wisdom and instruction, to discern sayings of understandings, to receive instruction in wise behavior, righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the naive, to the youth, Knowledge and discretion, a wise man will hear and increase in learning, and a man of understanding will acquire wise counsel. You say, Tom, why did you read that? Because wisdom is a journey, not a destination. What I want you to see is in that passage, Solomon mentioned three different groups of people near the end of of verses four and five. He he talks about three different groups of people. Who were they? I'm going to tell you who they were. Number one, they were the naive. What does naive mean? Naive means, it it, it refers to a person who's inexperienced, especially concerning complexities and the challenges of life. Not necessarily a young person. You you with me? You can be a senior adult and be naive. Naive. When it comes to spirituality, sometimes age just doesn't matter. Sometimes. I know some teenagers that were more spiritual than some seniors. That's not good. It's just a fact. Naivety means you just don't know. You think you might know, but you don't. Maybe you just gave your life to Christ. I know lots of people who've given their lives to Christ in their 30s, their 40s, their 50s. And they're naive about the things of God. And that's okay. You'll get to that point and you'll understand much, much, much better. But I also know some people who were saved when they were 10 years old. And they've been following God for a long time. And by the time they hit 30, they're Travis. Then he mentions a second group. He calls them the youth. And it means exactly what you think it means. It means a young person. And you know, the whole book of Proverbs is really written around a parent-child relationship. Did you know that? Like every chapter. In fact, 30 of the uh, uh, chapters were talking about uh, actually a, a dad and a son. But then when it gets to 31, it's a mom and her son. This is a parent, child, all the way through. Listen, youth is good. I love young people. I used to love to be young. That's long gone. But, but young people aren't the wisest people either. They're not always the most unwise. But let's be honest, they haven't lived a long time. Maybe they hadn't been able to read as much scripture. Maybe they hadn't been saved as long. I don't know what the issue is. Not just the naive who are whatever age, but also those who are young. But notice who the next group is. He talks about the wise. You see, Proverbs isn't just for the young, not just for the inexperienced or the naive, but for also for the wise. You may have been walking with God for 30, 40, 50 years. I don't know. You may have read a proverb every day since you were nine. Maybe you've got to memorize. You can't even hardly read because you've underlined so many things in your Bible. But the Bible says it's not only for the naive and not only for the youth, but it's for the wise. Listen, that means it's for everybody. No matter where you are on this journey called following Jesus, we all need to grow in wisdom. And over the past few weeks, we've explored issues like this. If you remember, our need for one another, guarding our hearts, making God's word a priority, pursuing integrity, having a right view of myself and of God, being faithful in life, living God's purpose for my life, making wise decisions, and thinking about the next generation. Does anybody think you've perfected all those? Listen, I don't care where you are in life, not just for the naive or the young, but for those who've known Christ for a long time and have, have, have read his word and know what his word says, I promise you, you open it up tomorrow and you'll be surprised at what God will teach you. I've been saved for actually this past, um, the 17th, whenever that was, what is today, the 27th, 10 days ago. Uh, In 1980 is when I gave my life to Christ. I know, I look young. I actually look at all the wrinkles in the mirror every day. Forty years. And I haven't been faithful all the time. But I'm telling you, over these last several years, I have been faithful. And what God's taught me has been unbelievable and I promise you I get up tomorrow and I can't wait to say God what are you going to say today what if what am I going to read that I've read but you're still going to show me something I've never seen you say Tom didn't you go to seminary and didn't you get the degree? yeah I did all that I got the degree I did the thing I did I actually did pretty good I I didn't make perfect grades but but I studied really hard because I was older but here's the deal here's what I'll tell you my best seminary has been my quiet time for the past 23 years you say, I don't know if I go to seminary. You go to seminary every morning. You want to learn about God? Get in His Word. Find that place. I'm wiser for the journey that God's been, that, that, that He's taken me through, but I'm still growing in wisdom that He's given me too. And you can too. So here's the practical application I must realize that I never arrive. <laughs> you see, it's a journey, not a destination. And while you're here on this earth, and maybe even in heaven, we're never going to arrive at that destination. God's going to continue to teach us and give us wisdom over and over and over. And here's the deal. You know what you like about the people that you like the most? Most of them are wise. Because you know what wisdom does? It makes you say less. Amen. This world could use some of that. What produces wisdom starts at humility that leads to teachability, which produces wisdom. Did you hear what I said? Wisdom will produce itself because wisdom will make you humble. When you become humble, you can become teachable. When you can become teachable, you'll learn more about him and you'll learn more of his wisdom. It just repeats itself. Humility leads to teachability, which produces that wisdom. Proverbs 9, 9, and 10 says this. Give instruction to a wise man, listen to this, and he'll be wiser still. Teach a righteous man and he will increase his learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Wisdom is a journey and it's not a destination. And then finally, number five. Number five, this is it. God's desire to give you wisdom is greater than your desire to pursue it. God's desire to give you wisdom is greater than your desire to go get it yourself. Now, if you're a parent, you know this. Like what you want for your kids most of the time is more than they even want for themselves. Am I right? So if we're like that, imagine how God is like that to us. He wants us to have it more than we actually want it ourselves. Proverbs 2, 6, and 7 says this. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. Notice the word stores up here. It refers to saving something, listen to this, for another person. Not for yourself, but for somebody else. God wants us to have lots and lots and lots of wisdom for us Every day of our life. He wants us to be able to use that. In Proverbs 9, 1 through 6. And I'll, I'll be close to finished. Listen to what it says. Maybe. Wisdom has built her house. She has honed out her seven pillars. She has slaughtered her meat. She has mixed her wine. She has furnished her table. She has sent out her maiden. She Cries out from the highest places of the city. I, I have a note in my Bible here that says wisdom has prepared a, a place for us to get to know her, to see her. It goes on to say, whoever's simple, let him turn in here. As for him who lacks understanding, she says to him, come eat of my bread and drink of the wine I've mixed because she's prepared it. Forsake foolishness and live and go in the way of understanding. God so wants us to be wise. He wants to lavish us with the wisdom that only he provides and has. So here's the practical application. I must trust That God will give me wisdom in every area of my life, at every stage of my life. I must trust that when I need it, he's going to provide it. But I got to want it. You can't ignore it. It's not a destination. There has to be a time that you're looking for it. God wants to give it more than you actually want it. You say, Tom, so how do I get it? Like, I need it wrapped up into one. Like, can you... Can you just give me like this thing that I can put in my pocket and take home with me? James 1.5 says this. But if any of you lacks wisdom, here we go. You ready? You might want to write this down, memorize it. I don't know how you want to take it. Here it is. Let him ask of God who gives all generously and without reproach and it will be given to him. One of the things my wife and I have done, not every day, but a lot of days of our lives over the past 28 years, 27 that we've had our kids, is we've asked God to give them wisdom. I know it says here the person that wants to ask, but we've been asking for them too. Listen, just get up and say it someday. Lord, give me wisdom. Because here's what the Bible says, when you ask, he doesn't just give it, he gives it liberally. The the word generous here means overflowing. It's the picture of a cup and a saucer and you're pouring into the cup and there's so much the saucer has to catch the rest. He wants to give you more than you want and he does it without reproach. He's not going to make you feel bad that you keep asking. He'll give it to you. God gives wisdom with a spirit of both generosity and gentleness. So ask Him for it. So as we close today, let me just go back and hit these points as we finish our not only this lesson, but the whole series. Truth number one, because wisdom is essential to enjoying all that life has to offer, we must pursue wisdom on a daily basis. Right here. Okay? Number two, because wisdom doesn't come naturally. We must recognize our need for Him. Not a need for something else, but for Him alone. Number three, because wisdom begins in time spent with God, we must establish daily time with the Father. Find that time. Number four, because wisdom is a journey and not a destination, we must realize we, we will never arrive. And then last, number five, because God desires to give us wisdom Greater than our desire to pursue it, we must trust that God will give us wisdom in every area of life and at every stage that we need it in our life. You know, some people would say, Tom, um, that's good and all. <clears throat> you got like a more powerful sermon than that? I mean, can you give me a little more meat or something? See, that's not even a wise question. You need wisdom. Go get it. Ask Him for it. Plan it. Desire it. How about ask God why you don't desire it? And then just let Him fill you up like that cup and saucer. Everybody will want to be you. You know that position you want at, the, at work? Who knows? They need somebody with some wisdom in that job. You know how you've been wanting to be a mom or a dad or a grandparent or a son or a daughter who wanted to make a difference in the family or, or, or wanted a different family? Listen, you, you, you start to be wise, you'll be surprised how you'll love each other more. How you'll appreciate what you have. But you're not going to get it without God. Only He gives it. And he gives it liberally.